0: Hello and welcome to the Last Alliance University of Alberta Tolkien Society podcast. Join us this year as we follow the adventures of two small and very important ring bearers in The Hobbit and the Fellowship of the Ring. My
1: first note is on the ravens starting at the beginning of the gathering of and, uh, Because there's a note here about ravens. In traditional English folklore, ravens are usually considered unlucky birds. Tolkien's use of ravens as messengers, however, recalls the two ravens in Norse mythology, Huginn and Muninn. I'm gonna be pronouncing that wrong, but Sophie is not here, so she can deal with that, I guess. So
2: it's right as long as Sophie.
3: It's
1: right as long as there's nobody here who knows any better than I do. It's
3: okay, Josh. We'll just yell at the podcast when he listens to it. (laughs)
1: Um, and they're Odin's ravens. They bring Odin like messages. it's in the Edda. as everything is. Apparently, ravens in the wild usually have a lifespan of around 30 years, so the fact that this raven is 153 years old is incredible.
4: Sarah Lynn!
1: Are you coming in? Yes, but
4: I'm getting
1: water. Okay. Yay, we have one more person.
3: <laughs> Did you want to go
2: around and ask?
1: Yeah, I do, actually. Okay. I forgot for I,
3: I was
2: about <laughs> to say,
5: it's like, oh, we're just going to do I've had a long
1: thing. weekend.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Normally I have trouble coming up to something, but I was really excited this time.
1: Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Go then. Robert. You <laughs> can start.
5: Robert, you're so okay. I'm, happy, I'm happy that we're done with the dragon bits. As I've expressed before, I find them not as interesting. But I love the way Bilbo is a real full-fledged burglar now. Even though no one's telling him. He's got his... Little graphic hook rope thing going on. He's like tricking the guards. He's doing everything. It's great.
3: Um, hmm. What did I think about this chapter? I've really enjoyed the thrush showing up and being like, hey guys, guess what? The dragon's dead. And they're like, we, we don't know what you're saying. We really have no idea. And the thrush is like, I can understand you. This is not this hard. We really don't know what you're saying. If only there was a raven! (laughs) Wink. Yeah. That was just excellent.
1: Included in my notes on this chapter, not the ones that I'm actually using, but when I was first writing them down, was, I know that the dragon sickness and the gold are, like, powerful, but why is Thorin literally this stupid?
2: (laughs) (laughs) See, I kind of liked Thorin turning into an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> like, just, yeah, no, I love that trope about dwarves of like how their greed consumes them over time. Like, they just need to be around shiny things. It's like high pies.
6: Okay. I just like how Gandalf was just there and he was just chilling, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not trying to help you guys at all, and I'm not trying to solve this problem, but I'm just here. I'm just
1: No, Bilbo insisted. No, at that but
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hobbits are way cooler than I thought.
4: Yeah, Sarah Lynn, you probably haven't read the chapter. No, else. I didn't even notice so, you No, know, I was coming here until about five minutes ago when I was on my way to the library and realized it was at twelve o'clock
2: and
1: I should go to book study instead. <laughs> so making reasonable. A I process. <laughs> um, we're, we read the Gathering of Crowds and the Thief in the Night this week, so if you've got anything to say about uh, Bilbo stealing the carpet stuff. Or the hostility between everyone—that's what happened in these chapters. Everyone's angry. Yes, everyone's angry. So yeah. Oh,
3: that was the other thing that I was going to bring up. Bombo's like addiction to his elf dream.
1: Oh, I know it's still. Oh yeah. There.
3: <laughs> He's like, and ever after, he was just—he just wanted to sleep all the time because we recapture the beauty of that dream, the enchanted dream, and I'm like, wow. This got really fade dark. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And it's still happening.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is weird. That was
3: the thing that caught me.
1: And he still like literally doesn't care about anything else.
6: Because yeah. he's so attached to it.
1: Okay, so serious question about the ravens here. Um where did they come from, and why did they speak Western? Well, who are they?
3: They seem to have hung around the mountain before. Oh.
1: Yeah. But they're not, like, they're not Monway's eagles. They're no. just other birds who also speak Western. And the fact that ravens speak Western is separate from the fact that dwarves understand bird speech.
2: Do dwarves understand bird speech? They do. Balin
3: says
1: he was listening to the crows and the crows were saying really rude things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) True. Crows, man. Um, Well, ravens and, like, real ravens can mimic human speech to a degree, right? So I don't think it's that much of a belief that once you intrude... they are giant ravens that are intelligent. Like, they can probably learn how... 153 years. I'm like, wow, that's an old raven.
3: Associating it with fire talk, but yeah.
5: sentient animals, so. True. And they don't really seem that special in comparison to, say, the thrush. Which almost seems like it might live forever. Nothing tells it. <laughs>
1: One, the thrush might live forever. Two, it appears to be the symbol of the lordship of Baal. Yeah. Um, and, like, the indication of Bard's serenity. Which is weird. Because it's a thrush. But alright!
3: I mean, the indication of um, Aragorn's sovereignty is a weed. So, are we really taking a step down there?
1: I don't know, man. That's the <laughs> point. It's like but it's not, that's not the only thing that tells us that Aragorn is True. The king. We also
3: have a birch tree.
1: Yes, there's also a tree. And the fact that he's <laughs> had healing hands. Yeah. And also Elrond's word. Bard, it's really just like Bard's leg. Clearly I, I am descended from a sale that can talk to this Please little bird. Talk
5: to me. <laughs> the birds talk to me, and the voices they say, they say I'm <laughs> a <man.
1: laughs>
5: It's especially weird because there's absolutely no one that can confirm.
1: No, there's no confirmation. Well, I imagine there's Only other people. Only he can understand the thrush.
5: There's other people
2: of the line of Tyrion within Lake Town, but like I think Dale is just the most
1: prominent. his name and Dale is the place, and that's very confusing. Dale, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'm already that's
2: a place in his name, isn't it? Yeah. Dale's also. I didn't even think of that. It's also a geographical feature. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's all of this is very confusing. So I don't know why they decided to add an extra confusion in the movie and cast someone who looks like Orlando Bloom. Why would you do that? You just made this even more confusing. Not,
2: not, like, they also gave him, like, family subplot.
1: Right. It's
2: like, he's got a family now. You weren't, like, you don't care about this person other than the fact that he has kids. Luke Evans looking more like Orlando Bloom in Orlando Bloom (laughs) does.
5: In that film, yes.
3: In a number of films.
5: (laughs) Um, Also, how Tolkien keeps on slipping in and out of the
2: dad is a linguistics nerd. Fair. <laughs> My buddy said
3: the kids that white letters to sing in the class and get a
2: reply, so... They get a reply that's, like, better than the plot of some Netflix original series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's funny because I don't ever remember it being a problem. Like, I can see now as an adult, the would be confusing it would be confusing even if you were kind of like re- just reading the hobbit for the first time and had to like like the first time you saw escrow you'd have to go back and like be like wait hold on how are these two things connected right um well, but i don't ever recall it being confusing for me when i had read it as a kid
2: well it's like there's kids out there that can name all like 750 pokemon i think there's more now <laughs> i can't keep up with it but like that you can show an image and the kid will know exactly the name and like the first four moves that this thing can learn. That's true. And it's just like...
1: I deal with a lot of eight-year-old boys and they are heads for trivia like nothing else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also,
4: I think it's kind of a battle thing to want to look at a map and place everything exactly and look at that Whereas well, kids will care more about the story itself. Right?
1: So. That's true. I might even just be skipping over anything Like, like, that's the S place. We got it. We're moving on. Yeah. And in, in,
3: I mean, other stories of the time would also have done this. I mean, not even at the time. Think how many times the Bible is like, this place has six names.
1: Yeah, but. Remember than we're
3: going to use them interchangeably.
1: When you're reading your kid's storybook Bible that I teach my Sunday school class with, it doesn't do that. (laughs)
3: <laughs> That's true, but I don't think that there were a whole lot of kids' storybook Bibles in the
2: 1950s. You'd be surprised. Also, a lot of kids' storybook Bibles have, like, the genealogies still in them. <laughs> it's like.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and weird. <laughs>
1: Like, he was far more Oops. concerned about Rainer Edmund's perspectives on what was going on yeah. than Stanley Edmund's. <laughs> okay, let's move on and talk about uh, the siege really briefly, because I had a couple of notes on that. One is that, like, in preparing for a siege before the dwarves even really realize that they're going to be besieged, they're very fast. They do a lot of work in a pretty short period uh-huh. of time. And Thorin's not even helping. He's just sitting in the horde looking for the iron stone.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we get a sense of the uh, dwarven stone craft. Mm-hmm. How good they are at it compared to what we would expect, <coughs> being able to put up that big wall and have it set so so quickly. Well, it's also, about, like it's almost miraculous at this point. Like the
2: dwarves are doing this almost all hand. Well, I mean they have like five days. has To be a wall good enough to beat off, like I said, to a small army at this point. You've got like mm-hmm. 750 man hours. I don't know if
5: the Dwarf mortar rats. actually said that quickly.
3: But I think they- it's more, dry stone, it's not mortar.
5: gotcha,
3: so they just mm-hmm. drop the stones in place. They just drop the stones in place and
1: that the work that they do modifies the way that the stream runs um, Mm. that it runs directly out of the mountain Mm -hmm. and that stream connects them to Lake Town and even to the elves though not quite in the right direction Um, and so whereas before Smaug came there was peace between first of all the dwarves and the men and also Presumably the dwarves and the elves who live nearby, right? Um, all that's been disrupted, and the dwarves, in preparing for war, disrupt like the river, which is kind of the source of the life of the valley. Um, and so tying all that back to the idea of the desolation of Smaug, um, <clears throat> and the idea that Smaug's coming has disrupted everything about life in the valley, and continues to do it even after Smaug is dead. Like it's not a recovery. This isn't recovery from Smog right now. It's a continuing destruction of like the relationship.
2: social commentary on your podcast
5: <laughs> um, <coughs> Well, I mean that'll come up when we talk about Master and the sentiment about the, the wealthy people. <laughs> I was
1: going to say, I've got a lot of like deep moral questions for you today. Oh. Um, we're going to get to them pretty soon. But first I want to talk, I want to look briefly at the Dwarf Song. In this chapter. Because I think it's really interesting and gorgeous one.
3: I really enjoy the rhyme scheme. I like that Tolkien can actually commit to rhyme schemes.
1: Yeah, same. Actually, <laughs> Tolkien is shockingly anyway. consistent as a poet. And it's really impressive. Like most, most people of- are like, yeah, I've committed to this rhyme scheme, but like I'm gonna break it a little bit, or I've committed to this rhythm, but I'm gonna break it a little bit just here for emphasis. But Tolkien's like, you know, it's perfect in every way. I and mean, like I appreciate that. I So, like, how much of the dwarves' identity came out of the poems 1st It's Mm-hmm. That's a good question. It's an interesting thought.
2: Well, just, like, you can see how this, because it's the same rhyming scheme as Oh, Robert yeah. And, Cole, and it's described as sounding almost very it's, similar. It's the
1: same song rewritten.
2: But how it's kind of changed from, like, reclaiming of a nation to almost, like, propaganda. Like, it's it's actually a little bit disturbing on how like they've turned this thing that's essentially their identity as a people and now it's like we're going to war <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I thought it was really interesting because there are kind of like two ways to look at it um as that like there's that element like you're saying of propaganda like you have to come back and go to war immediately we have to go to war we're so great
2: Well also propaganda in the way that this is supposed to like bolster the dwarves themselves Mm -hmm. like they're starting to feel like the cracks in like their morale and then suddenly it's like no propaganda which is arguably what propaganda is mostly for
1: yeah but there's also like like you were saying the underlying sense of their own identity Mm -hmm. right that's built into this and when we were talking a lot earlier at the beginning about the dwarves and the way that Tolkien looks at the dwarves is like a diasporic people, um, and the fact that they're always on the move and don't have a stable homeland a lot of the time, that is really clear in this song, too. It's really clear that they're trying to set up a place to stay. Um, and that they're not only... It seems like they're not only calling people to them. They're, they're not only calling on... Friends, because they're going to war, but because they're here now, and this is a place to come and live and stay.
2: Like
5: a new dwarfish homeland. Yeah. take you across the land and, and teach you something and have this like wide-ranging focus. And the goblins are really like here and now and that's what this feels like to me. It's very here and now.
1: I definitely didn't think of it as like very glib, but that's possibly because the tune, like the movie tune for Far Over the Misty Mountains Cold is so solemn, and that's of course what I was thinking of here too, is the same tune. Right? And so, like, also when you're picturing it sung by like, that, you know, the choir, very deep voices, um, and very solemnly. Then it's still got the propaganda feel, but it's also kind of, by virtue of the way that it's being sung, got that sense of being something.
2: See, after like well, listening to the same tune like a hundred times and working with the text and that music, orchestrating it, I cannot for the life of me set this text to that tune.
1: This text doesn't fit it.
2: It just doesn't fit it. Uh, that,
5: yeah, that's not how I read it either. It yeah. was more
2: of like a rousing tavern sort of tune. Yeah, almost closer to like how the original singing of. Uh, Blunt the knives and smash the glasses. So. Okay.
1: Hmm. I don't know, that's just what I would, that's because it says it is so much like that song from before, and so I just kind of automatically yeah. thought of it. I that mean, way. the text
2: says one thing, but I think especially like a big thing about the, because uh, I don't remember whether the song in the film is originating with the Peter Jackson stuff or if it's with the original Del Toro stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Because I like I don't want to attribute it to like the wrong Mm -hmm. director and group with that, but like the mood of that has like this sense of loss. Like they specifically chose that sort of like modality and that sort of like arrangement of like the humming and deep voices Mm -hmm. because of that sense of loss and trying to like regain a homeland. And it just doesn't have the same sort of.
1: same tune, the same feel, but rewritten to suit kind of what you're talking about, that sense of triumphalism. Like, the immediate thing
2: is, take up the harp. The harp does not work in an ensemble larger than, like, four people inside a room, and it has to sound very sad. (laughs) This is trumpets. This is, like, maybe woodwinds, but, like, the more...
1: Yeah, it would have to be the shinier woodwinds. The
2: shinier woodwinds. Maybe a clarinet. Of where this poetic form came from. No. I'd love like the genealogy of dwarfish poetry, just like poetic forms throughout time. That'd be like, oh.
1: I'm that down for my discussion of forms for my end of term thing. Because I would also like. I feel like this is very, very similar, if I'm remembering it correctly to the song that Gimli sings under in, in Fellowship. And it's not going to be like identical, I don't think the form is identical, but I think it is a similar form. So I'd have to look into it, but yeah, it would be really interesting, a really interesting discussion. Okay. okay.
2: definitely mentioned spells, again. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it does. (laughs) Dwarves, folks, they're magic.
2: Though, like, they're magic in the way that, like, they're magic in the same way that the dwarves within, like, the process are. Like, their magic is literally making things that are insane, as opposed to, like, Gandalf magic, which is just,
5: like, fireworks.
3: This is the sort of magic that only works if nobody's watching.
5: On somebody and demanding your fourteenth share
3: yeah.
5: is, well, I think,
2: Ball's well, share. Sorry, a big thing because I don't think either Bard or Thorin is in the right here.
1: Yeah, that's another one of the questions I have: is why do the elves and men approach the mountain armed for war, and is that the right decision? <laughs>
2: like, it, there's a feeling here that maybe Bard is. Like, I mean, he says this grimly. Maybe he's meaning it in the perfectly like nice way: is like we want to rebuild the kingdom. You're the best neighbors we have let's start ties. but it's just the fact that is looking out past the wall and there's this army behind Bard like there's this idea of they want to seize it and they're only going to take the easy way if it means that they can just get money without having bloodshed but they're willing to do bloodshed to heaven. I mean part of the reason that I think
3: Bard shows up with an army is that Thorin built a wall but they didn't know who was building wall. They
1: didn't the wall. know who was building yeah. the
3: wall. They knew he they they look up, they come up over the wise, it's like, oh look, a wall. The
1: and army then was like already there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but that's mostly elves.
1: Okay, no, let's also include that. Because like they armed and marched.
2: It's pretty explicit.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Like they the, they set up from Escaroth mm-hmm. with an army. But it's not that they had really necessarily bad intentions because as soon as the dragon's dead, there's all sorts of things you have to worry about. Like goblins. Maybe, maybe smoke
2: had babies. I mean, if Smog had babies, they'd probably know that. Like, like there would have street...
1: been another dragon.
2: There would have been thing. a lot more dragons. <laughs> like, dragon whelps just don't tend to sit on piles of gold like Mama. They tend to go and explore. Mm-hmm. Fair
1: discussion why are they there um and why do they stay there knowing that they personally have no claim on the treasure and they haven't even made a claim on the treasure the elves haven't been like we'd also like some money just because they're just there they've just well, solidly set up for war why did they
3: originally set out
1: they want money mm-hmm. but they haven't made a claim here yeah because they don't have a claim to make, so why exactly. do they stay?
3: Um, well, I, I think they when, they, when they first come up to the mountain, they don't know that the dwarves are there. Yeah. Um, in which case, A, it does make sense to be armed, uh, and, and B, the
2: elves would come up to the mountain because they think they can just take some money. Like, along those lines, what if this is just an No, I'm not even joking, because, no, like, the elves joking. are, like, the privileged people. They're, like, There's, the an There's an assumption.
1: There's an assumption that if you're an elf, you, you can just in. ask
2: for things and they'll be given to you, to a degree. Yes. Yeah. Like, this might be an expression of friend or recognizing. like, I can just go ask for some gold. And him being an opportunity to pass it because of that.
5: I don't know if I'd call him a bastard,
3: but... Yeah. We <laughs> don't actually know the legitimacy of his birth, but... <laughs>
5: I mean, I I don't see why they wouldn't take the opportunity, I suppose. I mean,
3: you know, I I certainly don't think Dranduil's in the moral right here. Um, He showed up because he saw an opportunity. He's staying because he's tight with Bard.
5: Uh, I don't know. Out of every
1: no purpose to be there besides I would like some of this treasure that I have zero claim to. I have
5: many sorts. On on their way to claiming this treasure that they didn't know anyone else was going to need to claim or have a claim to. Okay,
1: so if you want something and it doesn't necessarily belong to you but you don't think it belongs to anybody else because you think everyone who it might belong to is dead but you get there to take it and the people to whom it rightfully belongs are still there. The right thing to do isn't to camp outside the right thing We've to do is to say, actually, never mind, and, and leave.
2: You just turn around to your arm and say, we can't <laughs> turn up people. Kind of political suicide. <laughs> but There's
1: nobody else to take over his place. got a kind of son. He's hypothetically got a son who might be able to take over and who people might support over his father. But I highly...
5: Moral ground right now is because they willingly helped people who are down and out, and sacrificed some of their men or their manpower to do so. You know, free of charge. They didn't write up a contract saying you owe us for for uh, what we're doing, the craftsmanship we're helping you with. Um, and they're even it even says that they're that they're making plans or the masters making plans for a really grand town, and they're just helping. Other, other like, but they're helping in, in a very
2: self-interested way, because this is literally how they get wine, probably.
6: Oh yeah. Like, will's
2: lavish, opulent lifestyle of just like hunts and parties is only exists
5: successful. because of Escobar. Yeah. But right? they have another option. It's to <laughs> enslave all of the remaining survivors and say, "We're going to help you, but you're going to owe us."
1: They're elves. They can't enslave. Them. We have only contextual evidence that elves have ever enslaved anybody. <coughs> and that is only contextual because they've got no other way to provide for themselves. Because oh. they don't do any work.
6: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: Like, I think... Dresduel doesn't, doesn't execute the burglar that was running around his house stealing their food. He still doesn't know about
2: that. Yeah.
4: Whoa. Well, I mean,
2: it's a, okay. lavish life. it's a lifestyle of... Literally hunts in
5: parties. Bilbo like, does mention that he's very familiar with them, even if they've never seen him. What does that mean? He
1: doesn't <laughs> say it to the Elf King, though. So <laughs> there is the possibility that Thranduil doesn't know that Bilbo was in his house until Bilbo's already gone, and he's talked to the guards who brought Bilbo in.
6: Maybe,
0: maybe.
1: Um, one of the things that I would kind of like say to that point,
0: um. Oh, sorry.
1: that I would say to the point about um, Thranduil is that it's really clear that his presence with the late men is a hindrance to Bard's goals Yeah, right? like it's one thing to say yeah we're helping you out to rebuild and we'll come with you on your quest because you might need some extra manpower um, but you get there and Bilbo's like I realize you arrived with somebody who imprisoned me. I'm not a fan, and as long as you continue to, like, actively encourage him, like, Thrandall has a lot of options here that could solve some of those problems. One of them might be, we're sorry for wrongfully imprisoning you. Another might be, it doesn't seem like this, like, my presence here is helping negotiations. I'll go off a little ways so that I'm no longer an active threat to the mountain but you know if we're really worried about who else might be there there's no evidence at this point that the lakemen or the elves know that there's an army of orcs on the way.
0: I mean I'm not expecting sense from Thranduil but I would expect sense from Bard in the case of hey Thranduil you're not helping maybe go hang out over there for a bit. Yeah
1: we'll move off a little ways so that we don't look like we're here to act attack the mountain, but we are here to, you know, still defend the area.
5: I just don't see...
1: Thranduil is not actively working towards peace. He's just there being an instigator by his very presence and doesn't care about it.
5: Sure, but just because he's not a moral paragon doesn't mean that he's doing the crummy things that everybody else is doing. Yeah, but how is he on a higher moral ground than Bard?
1: Bard has an actual proper claim and he has a instigated
0: anything.
5: I don't, I don't know if he knows what's behind that, gate. I don't think he has a one-twelfth claim to anything. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But there was a better way to go about that. And threatening to besiege somebody and starve them out is not the right way to do these negotiations. Oh, come on. Like, Thranduil wasn't behind that threat. <laughs> find <laughs> me some dextral evidence and I'll be on your side. <laughs> but, like, I just... I guess one thing, I'm a little bit reactionary against this because of the way the movies took it to such an extreme. But I never got that as a kid reading the book. I always thought The Elf King was rather reasonable if misguided.
0: But, like, I think it's also colored by the fact that we've seen him be unreasonable the one other time we saw him.
1: Yeah, the one other time we saw him, he literally would not listen to anything anyone had to say. Kind of? Yeah.
3: I mean... Like, sort of, but you can also kind of see where he's coming from. When you're immortal, imprisoning some guy for a hundred years doesn't seem like that big a deal.
1: Yeah, but they're not oblivious. They've been living here for ages. Mm -hmm. They do know that other people die. (laughs) They're aware.
3: Theoretically, yes.
1: Thranduil's seen other people die and has interacted with people with shorter lifespans than he has.
0: Like, Thranduil, if... If standing someone dies in was you're gonna cause mischief in my kingdom, um, the solution is to armed escort them to the edge of your kingdom and leave them there to I carry on their path.
2: Like every D and D prince or
5: like king, <laughs> the, their solution to like the party just showing up in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that wasn't.
0: they're dwarves and he doesn't like them
5: <laughs> well yeah and <laughs> he's just they're paranoid that they then. were trying to do something untoward to his people and then they're being they're not saying anything they're not answering his questions
1: potentially because yeah, they know good. that this exact situation is the outcome well but uh, they don't
3: know until they try um so you wanted textual evidence i don't have exact evidence that Threatened Duel is behind this but he is entirely supporting it um, um is something I mean I, I would believe that he's supporting it, otherwise. many hours passed, the banner bears Returned, trying the trumpeters stood forth and blew a blast. These are the banner bearers of both the king both the elves and the lake men. It's mentioned earlier. So he's he he's one hundred. He's delivering this ultimatum To this
1: barred, despite the fact that it's not his ultimatum to make.
3: Yeah.
0: Also, I feel like the question of can you trust elves with knowledge of your dwarven treasure is just historically speaking a resounding no. And is it entirely reasonable? No. But like, should you should you trust Thranduil also?
2: say it's like the equivalent of the unesco world heritage site
0: <laughs> i'm not
2: even joking like it says right here uh when yeah basically every treasure in the region was cooped up about which were wound old memories of the laborers and the sorrows of his race this is uh, this is thorin on top of yeah. the horde. yeah like this isn't this is the tan- like the yeah. tangible cultural heritage of the dwarvish people like and if, if someone shows up on your door and it's just like hi i want something
3: I mean, yes, but some of it is also the, just, like, the coin lying around Dale.
0: I yeah, guess. and some of it is stuff that did belong to the people of Dale. So it is all of, like, the Dale treasure, as well as all the dwarven treasure. What it isn't is Thranduil's treasure.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, is clearly really not helping much by being here. I mean,
1: armed for Thranduil's war, would presence is not, not a okay. benefit.
5: would have starved.
1: Okay, Uh, but but Ard
0: for War is the... Thranduil's
1: presence presence helping people of Lake Town, I don't have a problem with. Even Thranduil's presence there, like, a distance off from the mountain, defending Lake Town and the surrounding area, I don't have a problem with. Thranduil there, looking like he's ready to make war on the dwarves on Bard's behalf, or on his own behalf, because he's... Hypothetically acting with Bard, but
0: again, what does he get out of it? Um. Also, we've had enough of Thranduil's point of view that we know that he's not doing this because, uh, like, out of kindness for the Lake Town people, he's explicitly doing it because he doesn't have treasure and he wants some. Well, he has lots of treasure. Yeah, but he doesn't have that treasure. He wants more treasure. Like, he's explicitly in this because he wants some.
5: Explicitly, implicitly, but
0: yeah. Okay, fair enough. I thought there was a point where there's there definitely a part of the end of fire <laughs> and water. Thank you. I thought it was explicit that Thranduil's, was like, he's sitting there thinking, there... I'm gonna find it, I just read this on the box.
5: But that's not why he helps the people out of right?
0: No, but it's you why he does that
5: the And they're not jerks, they're not just gonna let them die. He's, he's not well, right, that's why he marches. That's why he marches, because he hears the dragon's.
1: intending to march on the mountain right away and out of the goodness of his heart also helps the lake town people
5: yeah which is why i give him the morally highest ground because he's the only one who helps anybody
0: no <laughs> <laughs> bard is helping his own people
5: right but that's bard his, his people as a whole aren't helping anybody they're that's
0: because there's people as so much-
1: refugees from a a burned down village like there is no one
0: around the more vulnerable what about the
5: master taking advantage of the elves trying to build some grand city what's that all about
0: the what where
5: the master he's uh making designs for a like a better version of Lake town essentially
0: okay and he's like how is that that taking advantage of the elves though
5: well because he's using their craftsmanship
0: Take advantage you, were, of it. you can't take advantage of something that, like if I give you this apple and I'm and like you this it's yours it. and you eat it. That's not taking advantage of me.
5: But what if I ask for another apple tomorrow and I ask for a very specific but type like, of apple? That's and not
0: and I don't what's eat happening. <laughs> well, the master
5: it is what the case of the master, but he's a special
1: case. <laughs> and they're they're bargaining. Like it says that the man and their master are ready to make any bargain for the future in return to the Album King's maid, Album El- 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 King's eight. So they're saying if you could do this we will do this and the, and the elven king is like I can do that
0: my <laughs> point is that um, Bard clearly has the moral ground over the elven king because the elven king is like an uninvolved party who wants some of the treasure and is using the same tactics as Bard to get it whereas Bard literally fucking killed the dragon and also kind of could use that treasure to help his starving refugee people. And also some of it legitimately belongs to the starving refugee people, also that.
1: Yeah, Thranduil hasn't actively asked, asked for any treasure we established as
0: before. Yeah, Bard is the one that um, the siege
1: and, and he's, starvation. He's just there, but on the other hand... He's
0: backing Bard's actions. He's backing Bard's That's actions. More than just sitting by and letting him do what he wants.
1: And the, the point that I was making was that he's actively a deterrent to peace by being there because uh, okay. Thorin no, hates back. him, and he makes no steps to solve that problem. Okay. Either by backing off or by apologizing to Thorin for wrongfully imprisoning him.
5: To be fair, they could just kill all the doors if they really wanted to. I'm sure the Elven bowmen could just shoot them off the walls, it wouldn't be too hard.
1: We could (laughs) commit genocide, but instead (laughs) we're just inciting war is a very small step down. I
5: don't know, I I think Tolkien was very careful in how he wrote this. Because yes, the elves don't have a claim, but they're also the only people to show any sort of altruism. And they don't actively antagonize, except by their presence, which isn't really active, it's passive. Bard actively antagonizes, Thorin is overly protective, even though he probably has the greatest time to of treasure. Like, I feel like Tolkien really planned this out so that people are on a relatively even more ground,
0: even I if I try to make
5: a case that. for the others.
0: Yeah. Thorin is clearly in the wrong, but he's also... That's fair, like it wasn't said in the best tone of voice, but it's completely fair, and he's confident Thorin's gonna see that. And I agree with him, like, he didn't say it in the most conciliatory tone of voice, but he also just killed the fucking dragon, (laughs) so I'm forgiving him for that.
6: So, um, because I did this for you, would you guys just mind being good neighbors and helping us? Because I'm going to use this goal to, like, help build back this place so that we can get, like, trade movement and, like, everything again so that we can actually, you know, be a rich, like, yeah. place. So it's, it's like a win-win situation for everyone. And then he, yeah. That's
1: just and there's not even, the obligation to be a good neighbor isn't even here is that compromise is possible mm-hmm. right like yes bard is being kind of rude but compromise is possible if Thorn was like how about we give you back the things that belonged to dale and we keep our things and then you see kind of what's going on and in the future then should you need a bit more then we can negotiate
0: again and potentially we can provide more aid also, maybe when Dime gets here, because we're expert craftspeople and it'll cost us basically nothing, we'll help you rebuild the town.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: And he does kind of offer that.
1: If he kind of offers that, of but he also doesn't offer to give them back the things that belong to them. He says he's keeping all of it, and maybe later he'll give them some of it.
5: Yeah, well, what's his phrasing? Like, he'll give them what they're due or whatever in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Which makes sense. I mean, they have to sort the treasure. They can dole out
3: what Yeah, actually he, he not actually
1: there. ignores, he actually just act- actively ignores what um, Bard has said about his, about the stuff that actively, that should belong to the people of Dale. He doesn't say anything about it. He's just like, well, the part from my treasure, like, it's not my fault that Smaug wrecked your town, um, and we don't owe you anything from our share of the treasure. He doesn't say that he's going to give the other person's share of the treasure back, and he doesn't say anything about keeping it either. He just doesn't acknowledge that there's a claim to it. He treats it like his own treasure.
0: probably what people people use when they're like, oh, we like Tolkien, he's so anti-democratic. They're like, they're literally like, the master is like corrupt, is like a literal corrupt elected politician who's like, we should... rather than warlords, and the people are like, no, King Bard is way better, and King Bard is way better.
1: I don't like him. Notably, the
0: people are choosing King Bard,
1: so he is technically an elected official. That's true. <laughs> because they don't have to follow him. He could go live off in the wilderness and try and start Dale by himself. But it seems like everybody would prefer to live under his rule. So, to move on from this question a bit, um, why doesn't the dragon sickness affect Bilbo?
0: I have a bad answer. Because he's so fucking done with this <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that seems very plausible, actually. <laughs> Considering that, like, dwarfish nature and the dragon sickness are two different things, right? Like, both are at play on the dwarves, but we know that dragon sickness can affect other people who aren't dwarves, because that happens in Silverland. So Bilbo is exempt from it for some reason.
5: I mean, he's not wholly exempt, I guess.
1: He's only really concerned about the Stone, though. Like... Well,
5: he was concerned about it before, I think, in two chapters ago, but he gets over it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still uncharacteristic for him to be so enthralled by the shiny things, and more so than normal, I think.
0: Yeah, we should mention that. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, we should mention that Bilbo's resistance to the dragon sickness has been something that's been building for several chapters at this point. Like, it's always sort of. When the other people, well, it's uh, it, like when Bilbo is alone, it's like momentary enthrallment, enthrallment with this. But then he gets over it. Yeah. When he's looking through the horde with the dwarves, he gets tired of it way faster than anyone else. sits down and is like, "I would give these goblets for a bowl, of- like a bowl of Bayorn's drink." Later on, he's like, "I would give most of my treasure to just be back home comfortably with this over." Um, and I think that. The fact that that's just been building also combines with the fact that when other people are not practical, Bilbo is practical. Which isn't a reason, it's just more kind of behind it. What were you going to say? <laughs>
5: that I guess in the spectrum of effect there is with Bilbo at one end and Thorne on the other but there's also uh, Feely Kili and Bomber I think that are mentioned as being not comfortable with the way things are going mm-hmm. they don't have the same kind of enthrallment with the treasure and protectiveness of it that that the others do yeah.
1: which is interesting because like for Feely and Kili that could be a significant disconnect from the heritage that everybody else has, right? If most of the other dwarves are old enough to remember it, Vili and you and Keeley are not.
5: Although the only two that should remember it, based on the research we did a few book studies ago, are Balin, because he was 7, and Thorin, because he was 27. Yeah. But nobody else would actually
4: I that's Yeah.
1: And the other thing that Tristan was saying about Bomber he play here too. Would Bomber be more affected by the gold if he wasn't still trying to recapture his elf dream? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>.
4: oh, <cool. laughs> at that point. That's true. <laughs>
0: um, also I think Bilbo's like outsider status is really Person who has come from far away
4: right now, but he has a very strong identity in who he is, in what home is, and what he values, so it also isn't his battle, it isn't his identity, it isn't, like, things that he values that are being far over right now, either. I, like, I agree, and I want to add to that, that, like,
0: the closer the dwarves get to home, the farther Bilbo. He also doesn't have a people whereas everyone else has a
5: people in this conflict well it's kind of interesting here that i think this is the first time where things have been stressful and he hasn't been looked at as an outsider by the dwarves i don't think it's called out at all here in any sort of fashion he's just
6: That's true.
5: living amongst them for the first time without any sort of oh you're the burglar
1: Okay. Um we're gonna talk about the Ark Stone one more time here. Because this book, one, the book keeps providing me more information about the Ark and Stone. Um, and two, the description of the Ark Stone in A Thief in the Night is really specific. Um, so the note that I have here says, a slight confusion remains evident in the text. In the first edition of The Hobbit, Thorin's father Thryne was the only character of that name. However, on Thor's map, it states, here of old was Thryne king under the mountain. Thorin's father father Thryne was not the king under the mountain when the dragon came. Thryne's father Thror was then the king under the mountain. In the 1951 second edition of The Hobbit, Tolkien added an introductory note, including the statement, on a point raised by several students of the lore of the period, the map, however, is not an error. Names are often repeated in dynasties genealogies show that a distant ancestor of Thor was referred to, One, I, a fugitive from Moria, who first discovered the Lonely Mountain, Erebor, and ruled there for a while before his people moved on to remoter mountains of the north. This part of the introductory note was made unnecessary in 1966 by some revisions to the text, including the introduction of Thryan's far, an- far ancestor, Thrine the Old, on page 54. But in section 3, Durin spoke, in appendix A of Lord of the Rings, Tolkien wrote of Thrine of Old, in Erebor, he found the great jewel, the Arkenstone Heart of the Mountain. On page 287 of The Hobbit, the Arkenstone is referred to as the heart of the mountain, the Arkenstone of Thryne. Here, Thorin speaks of the Arkenstone of Thryne and the Arkenstone of my father. And on page 334, Thorin says that, stone would, that the stone was my father's. It surely, in naming the stone the Arkenstone of Thryne, Tolkien would have meant the Thryne who discovered it. Originally, the discoverer was Thorin's father when Tolkien came to expand the Dwarfish ancestry, he seems to have missed the significance here of Thorin describing the stone as being his father's. By right, at the time of the coming of the dragon, the stone belonged to the, not to Thryne, but to Thror, the king of the mountain. So, <coughs> Thorin is potentially wrong, or Tolkien just like... Well, Tolkien lost everything, lost track of what he was doing, but it's funny the implication, because Thorin's just like saying things now, and you're like, those are statements
5: maybe
1: but that's been your uh, history of the development of the acrid stone you emptied it
5: I <laughs> so suppose well there, there's somebody who first discovered it but it could have been passed down as an heirloom
1: before Throne before Thrain actually took the throne possible
5: so then then it would be Thor's by right as the king just kind of inherits it
1: yeah so then for it to be Thorin's father's arkenstone Thor would have had to pass it on before his son inherited okay so the real question is uh that the chapter describes the arkenstone as being filled with moonlight um What do we make of that? Discuss while I fill up my water bottle. I'm
5: still convinced that Tolkien just wanted to describe a silver for the public, even if it's not actually one.
0: Except that they didn't make the art in stone. Yeah. I mean it's they like they did I was gonna say edit it and then I was like, Sophia, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs>
1: I also do have a note here confirming dwarvish ages from a couple of weeks ago um, that says the dwarves lived to be roughly 200. they probably learned to speak western because they were just like really smart and around people who were speaking it all the time and found it practical
5: okay and that
1: because we had no other exploitation
5: <laughs> and that real life ravens have that capacity they're similar to parents in that way
1: do they actually
5: yeah i think specifically if that could be mis- they're very they mis- they can like learn s- to
0: talk in uh, the Lay of Lathian. That's true. Mm-hmm. They make fun of Baron. They do make fun of Baron. It's
4: very ominous. Yep.
1: These such ravens an excellent idea.
5: <laughs> it sounds more like the crows. Yeah.
1: yeah. We were saying that, that the fact that the ravens can talk is separate from the fact that dwarves understand bird speech. Yep. Just They just do.
0: Yeah. It got so Norse at that point.
5: It's so weird that they don't understand the Thresh though, considering how important the sh- thrushes were. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll remember how to speak every other bird language, but that really important one, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I also matter.
0: fucking love how Balin to like to Bilbo was just like, yeah, like I was trying to understand them, but they were they were just speaking so quickly. Like Bilbo was like, yeah, I didn't really get it either. <laughs> I totally speak bird like you do. <laughs> I like how there's this disconnect
1: on both sides where, like, Bill was like, yeah, no, I totally speak bird, but Balin has clearly not realized that hobbits don't speak bird. Mm -hmm. Like, clearly not. That hasn't crossed his mind.
0: Fucking balding raven shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm 150 years old.
6: Five times the normal. Yeah.
1: Five times the normal raven's lifespan. Yep. Okay,
0: <laughs> it's the Aragorn of ravens. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Numenorean ravens. Maybe there were. Maybe the Numenoreans brought some ravens back with them. Then they're also they exceptionally bred. smart. At one point, one of them married an elf raven. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 theory fell apart. Yeah. So <laughs> don't know my elf By elf raven, you thrush,
5: because they basically seem immortal at this point.
1: <laughs> oh yes, God. that one thrush may be the only thrush in the area, and it's lived a very long time. <laughs> okay. Of this issue, what about Bilbo's plan? Uh, is it a good plan? To, so, two elements <laughs> of it one, is it a smart, strategically sound plan? And two, is it the right thing to do?
0: has a privileged position Mm -hmm. in that he's not part of any of the other groups, and also that nobody really pays attention to him. So he has a lot of power, and he knows that he has it. Well, and he has, obviously, he has the Arkansas, and no
5: better plans Um, but was it the right thing to do? I mean it came from the right place he's trying to foster peace which is a good thing even if he did it in probably the absolute worst way possible
0: I mean I think it's like undebatable that his motives were coming from the right place oh for sure yeah so what, what what would you have done instead? yeah I'm actually curious
1: now what are the other options?
5: Either? Anything else. Okay, but
1: like, okay, but like what? what is anything else? Well, what other by positions giving, does Bilbo by have?
5: Giving, I mean, even if, if he had just given Thorin the treasure in the first place, Thorin wouldn't have had all that time to obsess and be overcome by the dragon sickness, the same way that he was. He would have the thing that really matters to him, which would probably make him more amenable to discourse over helping the men of Dale. I mean, it's all hypothetical, of course, but...
0: I mean, I disagree, especially if you think that the Arkenstone is a pseudo-silmurel. Because, like, I think... But it doesn't make you want other
5: treasure. I think I think rolling around in the dragon sickness gold for days on end searching for the Arkenstone probably did not help Thorne's constitution.
0: Right, okay, so... so you, Okay, so, so if they he had, had, if had the Stone, his possessiveness would have been far more specific to the Arkenstone, yeah. and he would have been less possessive of everything else.
5: Yeah, like I had what I really want, so yes, we can sort this treasure and get what's rightfully yours. Cause
1: yeah. Or he, or it would help him feel like he's really been established as king under the mountain, and encourage generosity and a sense of like king things instead of sitting in
5: I feel like the evidence for that comes up later, the way he reacts to them having the Arkenstone. It's... A little better.
1: On the other hand, I think the strongest thing for your perspective, the strongest support for it, is that I don't think, absent the Arkenstone, that um, Thorin's mind would have been changed so complete li- so completely, by being attacked by orcs, because. To them. Um, and I think that, like, our last scene of Thor, our last glimpse of him, is that he's like, even though he kind of, I guess, regrets dying. settled and part of that I think comes from like a solidification of his position I don't know if the Arkham stone is about his like material greed so much as it is about his position and kind of what Joseph was talking about like the UNESCO World Heritage Site thing yeah. that biggest part of his cultural history and it's he thinks it's just hidden in the in the horde somewhere he can't give away any of that hoard until he finds the thing he really needs from it in case it's carted out
5: clearly willing to honor the contract with Bilbo as well. And I think here is where Bilbo's morality really shows, is that he's not only willing to give up the Arkenstone for some good cause, but he would also be willing to give up everything he was supposed to have earned for this arduous uh, journey. If he could just bring peace with it. But I feel even like that would have been a better plan. Negotiating with Thorne over his profit, saying, you know what, let's, let's settle my share, going to pay off the people outside the gate. Yeah. Get them to leave. Like, there's just other things he could have tried. Although, clearly as a writing device it doesn't have to send the same message.
1: Yeah. But also, I, like, I think the other thing about that is that he wouldn't have been able to tell Thorin that he was going to give his 14th chair to the, like, to the men of Lake Town. Thorin wouldn't have given him his 14th chair if he On Bilbo's plan? No? Okay. So the Elven King makes a really specific statement that I'm really interested in. Um, Because he says, You are more worthy to wear the armor of elf princes than many that have looked more comely in it. Um, And I advise you to remain with us, and here you shall be honored and thrice welcome. driving the elven king statement here like i understand that from our perspective bilbo's doing the right thing but like what is it that the elf king is praising because i feel like anything that the elf king is currently praising in bilbo comes across as mighty hypocritical hypocritical for the elf king to say So if Bilbo's worthy for doing something, he's worthy for really one of two things. Either it's for bringing them treasure, which is, like, great, but not, like, something that Bilbo's worthy for doing. Now they have treasure, like, great, you're worthy because you've satisfied my greed. Or Bilbo's worthy for trying to promote peace, which the Elf King is actively not doing
5: I I still think that's what the Elf King is praising,
1: personally. He can be praising it, but he's not actively doing it, and therefore it's hypocritical for him to say it. It's hypocritical for him to be like, oh, you're such a good person, because that implies that that the dwarves are not, but that the elves haven't done anything wrong in this situation. it later but he's also
5: not he's not doing any sort of real siege that he could
1: again the he difference has, between we could kill you all and instead we'll let you starve isn't a big difference but he's also
5: not the one that makes that threat i don't know i'm not i'm not fully convinced that all of his motives are quite so dark and eyebrow he is
1: I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that he's particularly dark because I think I agree with you that the movies made him a worse person than he actually is. I just also don't think he's even making an attempt to do the right thing in regards to the conflict between the lake men and the dwarves. I think he's causing more problems by being there and he doesn't care that he's doing it. That's
4: yes, fair.
0: are worthy and honored because you helped me Mm -hmm. yeah like even the whole concept of what is an elf friend yeah that's true right yeah it really helped me personally
1: not like you're doing the best thing for all of us but this is the best outcome for me personally and that's why i'm gonna reward you yeah i that's yeah i think really good point also
0: i have more to say about those Gandalf tells him he did the right thing. Okay,
1: okay, and we're, coming <laughs> we're coming to Gandalf. We're okay. coming to Gandalf, because I've got thoughts about Gandalf's okay. position in this. Okay. <laughs> do we have anything else to say on the Elf King? If not, we can skip to Gandalf and then come back. Yeah.
5: Maybe it has to do with Gandalf. Maybe he's held counsel with the Elf King and swayed him away from his greedy intention, and we just don't know it.
1: Okay, so here's the <laughs> question about Gandalf. Um, what the heck is Gandalf doing? One, why has he not even revealed to Thorin that he's there? He was originally helping Thorin. You'd think he'd want to continue, maybe not to help Thorin keep his, all his treasure, because that wouldn't be too moral of Gandalf, but, you know, to to help Thorin properly establish his kingship. Um, and second of all, why like, like so he first of all he's staying with the elves in the lake bed instead of going to Thorin or even revealing to Thorin that he's changed sags or something like that. And secondly, he hasn't even tried to negotiate a peace. He's the only person that everybody in these camps would listen to. And he hasn't even tried to do
0: anything. Why Gandalf? Why? I mean, the most obvious answer is, I think, something that we talked about earlier with Gandalf, which was, anything I impose on you that doesn't come from you, or at the very least that you don't feel came from you, isn't going to last. If Gandalf dictates the terms of the peace... I don't think I'd want him to dictate the terms of the peace, mm -hmm.
1: because, yeah, I agree that that wouldn't work, but... But he also doesn't try to help anyone.
0: He's not doing that anything. He's sitting in, in the, the shadows. shadows.
1: That we don't actually
0: know what Gandalf's been doing.
1: Okay, but even if he's only been counseling Bard and the Elf King, they're not the biggest obstacles in this problem.
0: Yeah. yeah.
5: Um, I think he had an ulterior motive because if forces and they're ready for war and he lets it look like they're at odds with each other, then he creates a false opportunity for the goblins to show themselves and then be utterly destroyed. So they can't be picked up.
1: Are the goblins that smart? Yes. So you think they would not have attacked if they looked like a united front?
5: Oh, Definitely not. Otherwise they would have attacked already they would have just pillaged Lake Town, for example. I think it's that specific opportunity of the chaos that they're trying to take advantage of. And we kind of get a hint of this by, I think, the Councils of the Goblins. I think they actually mentioned that in this chapter, right? Or is that the next one?
1: No, it must be in the next one. I was going to say, because I haven't read the last three chapters, so I don't recall how close the goblins are are they just waiting there watching what's going on?
5: No. I was not. under the
1: impression that they weren't there yet and that was the only reason they hadn't been attacked yet.
5: I believe they left around the same time as the Elven King because they got word from their birds and then they were holding council to decide whether or not to march. And then they obviously did because they're gonna show up soon.
1: Yeah. So I was under the impression that the only reason that they hadn't attacked yet was because they weren't they hadn't arrived yet. And that they would attack anyone who was there. Because they're right specifically now. after the dwarves.
5: I don't think they're after the dwarves. I think they're after for the killing the and goblin. The treasure in the stronghold.
1: They've been like, yeah, but, but they've been after. They've also been after the dwarves for a while, right? Like because they they killed the goblin king. So this is like a two birds with one stone situation. You kill the dwarves. You get some treasure out of it. Maybe. So I pre- I would assume they would attack regardless.
5: I'll try to find the passage about the goblins taking council. It's right at the end. I second. do
0: think it's there. I think you're right. It's not in these chapters. No, it's in the one prior.
1: Yeah, the goblins were at council in their caves. Um, Wait, where? Which chapter? It's in Fire and Water. Oh. The very end of Fire and Water. Word is going out to literally everybody that the dragon is dead. Mm. Um, and Thranduil finds out... And Beorin hears it, and the goblins hear it. Right. And they're at council, so like Thranduil and the goblins are, all, are both sitting there being like, okay, time to ride for the mountain and get some treasure. The goblins are just farther away yeah, to start with.
5: Mm-hmm. But I have a this is a
1: very utilitarian situation on Gandalf's behalf where he's like could solve this problem and then maybe the goblins wouldn't attack at all or I could use this opportunity when I have a bunch of people here to get rid of some goblins for the heck
0: of it well it wouldn't be for the heck of it but Gandalf is a very utilitarian person like Gandalf I I don't think that Gandalf masterminding the battle of five arms and being like, hey, two birds with one stone. I make these guys realize that they're better united than not united, and we get rid of a bunch of goblins. I don't think that's out of the question, especially because, like, we can talk about what Gandalf meant when he said, there's an unpleasant time just in front of you, but keep your heart up. You may come through all right. There is news brewing that even the ravens have not heard. So what news could he be referring to? Possibly
4: the goblins. (laughs) Yeah, well that's what I assumed it was.
1: certain Dine's army is on its way <laughs> and they are definitely prepared to keep Dine's army away from them.
4: Well I think it's
1: more of a gamble that you it's an immense gamble that they will kill each other like, from before I think the orchard.
4: Also
0: Stick of Gandalf, yeah.
1: to be honest. He's I don't think there's anywhere else where we see Gandalf like this. Let's, I mean, let's
5: put the ring with the Hobbit and take <laughs> nine people to go destroy the Dark
1: Lord. Let's go right that's, that kind of ga- that's a different kind of gamble. That is a gamble, to, and Gandalf well, does gamble on that, but it's possibly the best gamble available to him. Um, and the stakes, like, when you put, the, like, he knows the nine people he's put together. Um, Gandalf, I think, knows going in that there's one person in that party who's really likely to try to take the ring off Frodo. And he knows that that's a situation that's under control, because he's there. Right? Um, it's So it's a pretty well recognized. Like, it's a well reckoned one.
5: I mean, Gandalf was also here waiting. He could easily step forward if something is to happen, which he will soon. But again,
1: Gandalf, in this certain situation, is more powerful than Boromir alone. He's not more powerful than the entire army of the Elf King. Unless he kills the entire army of the Elf King, if the Elf King decided he wanted, if the Elf King and Bard decided they wanted to kill the dwarves in the mountain, they could do it. And nothing would stop them.
0: Um, okay, I'm not sure I agree with that, because Thranduil knows what Gandalf is, and I feel like if Gandalf stood in front of him, like, power-blazing, even if it was a bluff, and was like, don't fucking do that, Thranduil would at least think twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Gandalf's not doing that.
0: not And no, I think because he hasn't has had to.
1: Yeah, but I think that the, um, like, I think that the risk he's playing with here is just so incredibly high. Because the chance that they all kill each other before the orcs get there is also decent. But he also guess, nice. knows but
5: when the orcs left. He knows when they're going to yeah. get there. He already has all this calculated.
1: They're literally on the verge of killing each other yeah. when the orcs arrive. Okay, like is there. Like, I wonder if he...
4: Like, because he also put Bilbo in this party, too. Right? And so he would have known, or at least the but he's also aware of
1: Playing into Bilbo's ability to bring the Arkenstone and negotiate peace are things that Gandalf had zero control over. The fact that yeah. Bilbo finds the Arkenstone and then decides to give it away, like, that's betting on something you can't even know happened. Well, it's also well, essentially yes.
5: inconsequential when it comes down to it. They still would have all been there, ready for war. Nothing really changed except for the. I guess Bilbo's circumstance
0: so like my my guess though and I mean we like obviously we do have to factor in that Gandalf considers Bilbo giving them the Arkenstone to be a good thing so we need to figure out why that is but um, also I feel like just the one thing that you're not considering is that like Gandalf is the only person who has tabs on where the goblin army is and how fast they're moving so his gamble could very easily like he could very easily be getting hourly updates on where the goblin army is and where dine's army is and then his gam- his gamble seems more reasonable if he knows that they're going to arrive at roughly the exact same time.
4: He's also a
1: saying is that he's not doing anything. yeah. Like, like he, as far as we know, hasn't done anything to try to rectify the situation. And I don't think, I think from what we've seen of Thranduil, um, he's a little irrational when it comes to dwarves, mm-hmm. but he's still fundamentally a good person. So, I can see potentially what you're saying about the goblins not attacking if they come and find a united front um but it is not difficult to decrease the hostilities and still not make it look like you're all preparing for war together and there's no necessary indication that Thranduil is such a bad person that he would say well we now no longer want to actively attack these dwarves um and we have been protecting these lake men, but now that we know that orcs are coming, we're just going to scramble.
4: I think he's also giving them a chance to resolve it themselves. Like,
0: also think that um mate possibly an even stronger argument in the same vein as the example you gave is what we were reading in letters last week about Gandalf's sacrifice um were you there I was hypothetically there right you were <laughs> writing a paper okay <laughs> <You> <laughs> but <plan> um, <laughs> there was that one letter where Tolkien was talking about uh when Gandalf Goes down with the Balrog, and how that was both a conscious choice and a conscious sacrifice made by Gandalf. Yeah. Where, like, um, Tolkien saying that for all Gandalf knew, he could have been the only person who could successfully rally and lead a resistance against Sauron, but he still chose in that moment to fight the Balrog to let the others escape, knowing that would probably be his end, and that the world would have to manage without him, yeah. and that's...
5: Kind of the bigger thing there, too, is that he was um, giving in to the higher powers. He was showing the belief that when they laid out the rules of what they w- they were allowed to do, um, that they were right.
1: Yeah, in, in, in the Balrog case, and I think that's true. I don't think, I just don't think in this situation that Gandalf mediating a conflict is overstepping any of his bounds, nor do I think it's imposing something on someone else, or on their will. I think it's, like, like having a mediator in a conflict doesn't mean that the mediator imposes their will on the parties involved in the conflict, it's that he's them solve their problem because they can't do it themselves. And they can't. And instead of helping them solve their problem peacefully, he helps them solve their problem by nearly letting them destroy each other and then bringing in a literal army of orcs. Well,
5: what would have been the result of mediation? De-escalation, right?
1: Yeah, I mean... means the
5: elves would have marched down the mountain back towards the lake. But
1: they don't have to. Not if Gandalf says, if we de-escalate this can we de-escalate this so that there's less chance of you killing each other because there's an arc orc army on the way, but not give away that we know that there's an orc army on the way, I think they could pull it off. They're not idiots. Yeah, asking <laughs> <laughs> so, them
4: to fight for each other as opposed to fighting for themselves. Yeah, like, like, which
1: is going to create ultimately a larger bond.
4: Yeah.
5: I'm also not entirely convinced that the elves don't know that the orcs are on the way. Because the orcs have to march through elven territory or near elven territory, and it's a big army. So, given Thranduil's bird folk, mm-hmm, yeah. he, I I almost assume that he has to know at this point. Okay. Which may be the reason Gandalf knows that they were talking. But I which feel
0: like we should wait for that until we find yeah. out like where the goblins came from and yeah, where they yeah. marched. But,
1: but I don't think that helps the case at all. So Thor, so Thranduil's
0: there, and he's
1: willing to. Maintain this fight Knowing that something bigger is well,
5: coming they're yeah, not that looks
4: even wash, they? They're not
5: loosing arrows on the dwarves <laughs> They're not doing anything except maintaining Their armaments and staying Close to the entrance of the mountain
1: No, but I think yeah. But what, so has he, not, he, has he not Told Bard that something could be coming That could attack their army from the outside oh, well, even he's, he's not, not telling Thorin has. That someone's coming for them Okay, maybe it'd like be a good really idea to
0: not be at war? Like, we can't get farther in this conversation without reading, like, three pages ahead where literally Gandalf, like, stands up and is like, bulk is coming, guys! Um, yeah. like, I feel like we're going to have to put a pin in this until next week, and, like, the only real question would be, like, um, like, if if it's not for the reasons that we already put out, like, why, why do you think Gandalf, isn't revealing himself like do you think it's just bad writing or like do I don't know it, it? There, it's, it's, it's
1: like Gandalf not doing anything about this, just like the Elf King not making any strides towards reconciliation despite knowing that his presence is an active deterrent to peace um, is one of those situations that I have found myself encountering. Where I just think you're making the active wrong choice, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it because you are otherwise a good person who's literally just doing the wrong thing with no, I don't know why.
5: There.
2: For historical it's, like it's like my
1: feeling <laughs> about Elwing. It's like my feeling about Elwing, where it's like, I understand that this serves a narrative purpose, but this is actively the wrong decision in an otherwise like sensible and good person
5: I do see some historical analogs that um, aren't necessarily directly applicable but it's kind of a pattern of of behavior from people in charge when you look at um, World War II and how they conducted themselves in not just doing what was right, but trying to look at the longer game. We're not going to save that uh, that ship that we know is going to be attacked by submarines because we can't put clairvoyant. Yeah. There's like, there's an idea of that
1: don't think that what Gandalf is doing is the most potentially advantageous in the long run <laughs> yeah I mean I
4: think